Well, the quarterlies reveal what can be up also can be down. Is your favorite podcast in the top 10? Keith, I don't think we made it with Median Sultan, did we? <laughs> Not yet. And Nielsen gets into the jewelry business. Well, good morning for Thursday, August 12th, along with my co-host, Keith Samuels in Southern California. From Seattle, I'm Jackson Weaver, and this is Media Insultant. Welcome to our Thursday edition of Opinions and Comments on the current media scene. Keith, they call it an excessive heat watch here in Seattle is what we're going through. What do you call this heat wave in Southern California? Summer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, we, we live in a coastal desert in Southern California and historical, California has historically epic long, centuries long droughts. And apparently uh, the, the 20th century was like the wettest century in the history of our state, and yet we still can't figure out how to store water or survive a drought because we're now back into into full-on drought mode. I blame it on La Nina, so hopefully we'll get El Nino back. So that's what we fixate on. We fixate on El Nino or La Nina and whether they bring water or rain or not. So, Well, and the real truth is uh, told in the movie Chinatown, so... You know, you see that, you know, you understand why the water is what it is. Hey, the quarterlies are all in, Keith, uh, or most of them are in, and for the broadcasting business. And my gosh, these guys are raving. We are up so much. They are just, you know, through the roof compared to 2020. But what's the real story? Well, the real story is is that there was no advertising in April, May, and June because everybody was locked down with uh, for, because of COVID. So businesses were closed. No one was advertising except, you know, some of the big guys. So it was, it was almost a flat line in terms of revenue in the, in the second quarter of 2019. So this year, when everybody's releasing their uh, quarterly revenues, and that's what we are here in August, everybody's releasing the revenue figures for April, May, and June. They take July to count it all up, and then they announce it in early August, and that's what happened over the last week and a half. And everyone is up. 55, 73, 66, 96% from last year, okay, which tells you that last year was nothing. And only a few companies go back and reveal, compared to 2019, which was a normal year, uh, not a great year, but a good year, very few people are really comparing where they were to that year. And that's really the only accurate number we can go by anymore is that you throw out 2020. That was a lost year. Now it's basically comparing yourself to 2019. And no one has exceeded 2019 in, in the second quarter. Uh, Town Square got close, but that's because they took out live events. And there weren't any live events last year, and there were very few this year. But they got close to their number. Well, Salem uh, but, hung in there pretty well, too, with their preach-and-teach formats. Uh, they were only yeah. down about a little less than 5% from 2019. But some yeah. of the big boys, uh, you know, were really way off of 19's numbers, like Cumulus. How, how far down yeah. was Cumulus from 2019? Oh, just 20%. <laughs> but, but they sold a lot of real estate in Nashville, and the Happy Talk Trade Press says that Cumulus is now poised for full recovery. 
Well, that's because they don't have any more real estate to sell, and they're hoping for um, for spot revenue to pick up. But uh, it's still uh, it's still a grim picture. Um, but yeah, it's, so it's, it's we're kind of jockeying for how we compare to 2019, and now we'll have that comparison. Uh, you know, for three, you know, for the third quarter, for June, July, uh, for July, August, September, that'll come out in November, and we'll go through the same race again to see who did better. But needless to say, I think one of the conclusions is is that, you know, we're, our, the radio industry is fighting really, really hard to get back that lost billing with more competition uh, in the marketplace uh, from to get back to where they were in 2019. Yeah, and changed consumption patterns. We still aren't sure what post-COVID is going to look like, and particularly now with the new Delta variant coming along, who knows how that's going to affect media consumption. So lots up in the air. I I looked briefly on the TV side of things, too. And, of course, TV is uh, doing just fine, by and large. Advertising continues to decline, even compared to to 2019. But retrans makes up everything. It's just amazing. Uh, Nexstar had a statement in their annual where they basically said automotive is never going to be back to the 25 or 30 percent of local revenue that it used to be. That's significant. And Sinclair's annual, or excuse me, Sinclair's quarterly statement was all about sports, not the national news desk that they rolled out, not Next Gen TV, but sports. A lot going on. we got to keep an eye on that because there's a lot going on with sports and sports rights and the RSNs and Sinclair's discussions with some of the other uh, cable systems and, and DISH and those kind of people. So it's going to be real interesting to see how that evolves over the next couple of months, and we'll probably talk about that. But yeah, everybody- and, you know, and, we, and we haven't even mentioned digital. The, the second quarter was absolute blockbuster blowout for Facebook and Google. Their greatest ad revenue quarters they've had almost in their history, I think in their history. Yes, everybody's back advertising, but it, they, couldn't, they couldn't gorge enough at the digital trough of Facebook and Google. TV and radio and newspaper, they got all the scraps, which was still good because everybody's got to tell you they're back open for business. Uh, but uh, boy, I mean, the digital guys just, just frickin' just cleaned up in Q2, and they're still going to be around in Q3 and Q4, <laughs> so they're not going away, and, you know, so we'll have to see, uh, uh, you know, how they do. The nice thing is, is that all the radio and television stations and a lot of the newspapers are reselling Google and Facebook ads to get the commission on that revenue. So, you know, we're all feeding the monsters uh, at, uh, at GooBook. Yep, and, and uh, the, at, at the end of the day, it's going to bite us in the ass if we're not really careful. Speaking of digital, uh, we got the uh, podcast top 20, which will pop up here on the screen here in just a second. Podcast top 20 is ranked by a company called PodTrack. And uh, the interesting thing is of the top 20 shows, and unfortunately, Media Insultant is not part of it. We tried. We did some payola and everything. Didn't seem to help. (laughs) Fully six of those shows are from NPR. Number one remains The Daily from The New York Times and has been for some time. But it's interesting because of all the energy that the broadcasters have put into podcasting, iHeart and Cumulus and Audacity or Odyssey, the uh, the old intercom, only iHeart has two shows and Cumulus one show in the top 20. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it seems that what the broadcasters are doing is bulking up on a huge amount of inventory across hundreds of different podcasts. Is that their strategy, Keith? 
maybe thousands of podcasts. But yes, I think that's definitely their strategy. We talked about that uh, last week. But yeah, they're, they're bulking up. I'm not sure how you know many more shows NPR has. We'll have to add them up. They have certainly more than this. New York Times has a lot more than this that aren't making the list. That's right. That's um, right. So it's it's that it's that twenty through a hundred, you know, where uh, the guys at iHeart and some of these other uh, you know big streaming aggregators can make the money because it's still a lot of downloads, it's still a lot of audiences, and uh, uh, and they and they they can promote the heck out of it. Just even even in uh, the trade press this week, you know, the uh, Conal Byrne from uh, from iHeart Media oversees all their podcast business was talking about how, gee, it's amazing. I mean, I can do a 150-point weekly buy for a month, and I can really drive the numbers of a podcast. So he's kind of finally figured out that if I promote these podcasts on all of the radio stations we own, I can, I can crack this list. I can, I can, I can really make a, a, a podcast a hit. I go, yeah. So, you know, that's what we're hoping for. We're hoping that Bob Pittman, Richard Bressler, and Conal Byrne think this show needs to be picked up on iHeart and promoted like crazy because it certainly worked for the Breakfast Club because they come in at number 20, and we're not. So, Well, we'll keep keep working on it. And, you know, we we were talking about this earlier. I, I understand you still have one of the original iPods? Right here. Here is my iPod. Wow. Remember those little things? Yeah. In fact... I still have the lanyard, and I can put it over my neck to make it easy because I can plug in my headphones right here because I still have the plug-in kind. I don't have the, 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 the pods. I've got these, and I can listen to all my music that I downloaded in 2005. <laughs> Better well, yet, you know, but Jackson, to top that, I still have my LG flip phone. How cool is that? And for you, it's suddenly, true. it is 2005. Hello. Hello, Jackson. Back to the future, baby. Here you go. Get the flux capacitor out. We're ready to go. Very, very fashionable, Keith. And uh, this is what Nielsen is trying to do with their new wearable PPM devices. Uh, They can be a bracelet. It can be a pendant, uh, a belt clip. And for those of you who don't know, the PPMs, the personal people meters that Nielsen has used to aggregate audience data for radio... It used to be about the size of an old pager. And for those of you who don't remember pagers, go listen to another podcast. <laughs> yeah, or ask your dad or your yeah, mom because they had pagers. <laughs> well, I think, I think this is a nice move on their part, on Nielsen's part. But there are still a couple of big questions that it doesn't answer. First of all, how does it affect the non-radio users when they are asked to be part of a PPM base? And right now, one of... PPM's big problems is getting respondents, but the truth is the only respondents they get, Keith, are people who listen to radio. If you don't listen to radio, you're not going to be affirmative to getting a PPM meter. You're just not going to. Right. But what they plan to do is they plan to take these now fashionable new PPM devices and turn them into what they call Nielsen One. Clever name. The idea being that now this PPM device will record all of your media usage your digital listening, your digital streaming, your over-the-air viewing, your over-the-air listening, all that, and it'll all aggregate it into one platform. Good idea. I think everybody everybody would like that. I think it's going to kick radio's ass because the universe will be larger. There will be more people who will agree to having a PPM because they do watch TV. They do watch streaming on 
on Netflix and Hulu and those kind of things. So there will be a larger universe. And then Nielsen's problem is going to be, what do they do about the fact that not 95% of people listen to radio every week, but maybe 45 or 65? That's going to be a real problem. And yeah, be careful what you wish for, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, it's going to be a yeah. real interesting dilemma for them. They do almost a billion dollars a year in radio revenue, so they take a lot of money out of the business. It'll be interesting to see how they adjust it. Yeah, well, you know, so again, you know, for people who aren't familiar with this PPM technology is that your the radio and television signals are encoded with a, mm-hmm. a an inaudible tone that this device listens for and picks up. So you just put now this new Fitbit looking bracelet or something that clips on your belt that's really hipper or better looking. And really, I mean they did they did need to update the the look and appeal of the technology and they've done that. Kudos to Brad Kelly and his team at Arbitron. And Brad Kelly only tipped in at number 29 on uh, on the top 40 uh, powerful people list. Uh, from Radio Inc. And maybe it's a little, some people would think that's overrated. Some people would think it's underrated. I just think it's cool that Brad is on the list. But in any case, so now you have, you, you've, you've spread out the audience or, or the, or the, or the um, how do we put this? The, uh, the research group, this group of uh, participants in the survey, and you've spread it out now more, uh, right, without a radio focus. Now it's a media focus and my gosh, you know, who knows what this is going to look like? This, this could this could be as seismic a change as it was when this first PPM meter came into existence uh, 20, Ten years 15 ago? years ago. Yeah. 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 So it's it, I, I think we're in for a, a bit of a shock. Well, and uh, they have not, to my knowledge, they haven't announced any particular rollout for a specific Nielsen One platform. I don't know that they're that's what they're working on. My okay. hunch is they'll right. put it in the field and they'll come back and go, crap. Yeah, shit. What are we going to do now? <laughs> this does not work the way we wanted it to. I do have to give Nielsen some credit, though. I, you know, I've worked with them for years and years and years, and I think they really are genuine about trying to come up with accurate audience data. I really think they are expensive, <laughs> but they know that. They have no real competition except for Eastland, and Eastland's chewing away at smaller medium markets. But I do have to give Nielsen credit. I think they do want to come up with a good agency uh, or you know media currency, and they're working on that. So I, I yeah, can't take yeah. anything away from them. And and now I suddenly agree. it's fashionable. Yeah, and you know, and it's not like there hasn't been a lot of change in that in the rating side of the audio business, formerly radio. You know, because it used to be called Arbitron and was for decades and decades. And then they 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 sell to Nielsen. Nielsen takes them over, having been the big TV ratings company for decades and decades. Lots of change at the top, you know, management changes, ownership changes, all this stuff going on. But there's still a couple of key people, and one of those is Brad Kelly. And you know, and, and you know, Brad was at Arbitron when I was doing training and consulting to Arbitron back in the uh, late '90s and early aughts. You know, uh, along with some other folks. So they've they've kept some vestiges of old radio folks yeah. to kind of you know ease this transition and get people through this transition. So kudos to Brad for lasting this long. I mean, you know. Uh, well, Arbitron, uh, Nielsen, sorry, I, there I Freudianly slipped again. Nielsen uh, has a, a real good track record of keeping people, and they keep some really good people, by and large. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. All right, we'll get one more quick promotion here before we run. Uh, we wanted to do a reality check, Keith, so we asked Melissa Durfee Davis to come in and talk to us a little bit about what the agency scene is like. Uh, do you, it, t- tell us a little bit about Melissa, Keith. What do you know about her? 
Uh, well, I, well, Melissa is a uh, longtime media buyer, media director, uh, one of the most senior media people uh, on the buying of advertising side uh, in Seattle uh, agency history. I mean, it's, she's been uh, uh, a, a, a fixture in the uh, on the agency side in Seattle. But I, I think also what Melissa can help us and our audience understand is is what the buying side is like these days for for media, particularly television, radio, print, and even on the digital side as well. But also, too, um, you know, how agencies and the people who make the buying and you make the make the budgeting decisions inside an agency and a, and the client side as well view you know traditional media television radio print these days rather than how they did in 1985 95 and 2005 yeah, yeah. so i i'm looking forward to getting uh, melissa's not only her her take and her viewpoint but also her ability to kind of explain to us what life is like in 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 the agency side when they start doling out the money for advertising very good. Yeah, I think it's going to be a real interesting discussion. It's kind of a special edition of Media Insultant. So we invite anybody to everybody to join us uh, for next Tuesday, August 17th is the date. The good news is because we're a podcast, you don't need to tune in. You know the day will come when our kids or grandkids are going to say, what do you mean by tune in? And what's up and down the dial? But that I know, I know, but that's all right. I'm showing my age. So join us for Media Insultant Special Edition next Tuesday, August 17th. Keith, until then, you have a great week. Okay, Boomer. See you on Tuesday. Take care.